Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. We're an LDS couple who struggled with unwanted pornography in our marriage for many years. What was once our greatest struggle and something we thought would destroy us has become our greatest blessing and triumph. Our hope is that as you listen to our podcast each week, you'll be filled with hope and healing and realize that you too can thrive beyond pornography and create the marriage you have always desired. Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography. We're so glad you're here and we believe in you. Hey friends, this is Zach. Darcy's not with me today. Uh, I am sharing an episode with you that I did with my friend Amanda Louder uh, that she posted on her podcast a couple weeks ago. So if you heard it there, you've basically heard it. But if you're hearing it here for the first time, I hope you enjoy this. I hope it's worthwhile. I hope that we what we offer here, what I give you here, is helpful in your quest to be the kind of parent and the kind of church leader that you want to be around pornography and around modesty in particular, but also really around everything to do with the For Strength of Youth pamphlet. So again, this is my conversation with my friend Amanda Louder, who does the podcast Sex for Saints. Uh, Go check it out. She's a fantastic coach. And without further ado, here's that conversation. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with my good friend and fellow coach, Zach Spafford. Hey, Zach. Hey. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm so good. Good. <laughs> now, you've been on the podcast before with your lovely wife, Darcy. She's awesome. She's amazing. I love her so much. Yeah. Um, but maybe you should just introduce yourself again. I'm Zach. Darcy and I are uh, the hosts of Thrive Beyond Pornography, which is our podcast, and we uh, help Latter-day Saint couples who are struggling with pornography in their relationship at some stage, whether it's the beginning or, you know, you've gotten pretty far into making sure that pornography is part of your life, not part of your life, but, <laughs> maybe <it> is. <laughs> but, but really, uh, we're helping people who are looking to not just eliminate a habit, but really recreate the relationship that they want and then thrive beyond pornography in real and meaningful ways. Awesome. And would you just go ahead and introduce yourself for my audience so they know exactly who you are? I'm Amanda Lauder. I am a certified sex and marriage coach for conservative Christian women. I help Christian women learn to embrace their sexuality and love their sex life, help them have a better relationship with themselves, with their spouse, and um, of course, with their sexuality so that they can have a great sex life with their spouse which is amazing work. Darcy and I have seen you in action at your retreat. We love the work that you do. You know, this is a very important work. Would you just tell us where it is that we can find you? You can find me at amandalouder.com where you'll find um, links to my podcast, to my membership and uh, my courses and retreats. That's all that I've got going on. Um, on social media, you can find me at Amanda Louder Coaching. And my podcast is called Sex for Saints. I highly recommend you go check it out. It is a great podcast. It's uh, one of my favorite podcasts out there. 
please go check it out. She is an amazing podcaster and an amazing coach. Well, please. Zach and I are really good friends. I mean, we've been having a lot of fun together lately. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we seem to have always have these really great discussions around different aspects of the gospel that yeah. we see that are so problematic for so many of our clients and different aspects. So the topic that we're going to ta- uh, tackle today together is modesty. Now, full disclosure, <laughs> we decided to do this podcast before the new For Strength of Youth pamphlet came out, totally. but I think it's still going to be very applicable. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that because I think that even though we have a new guide, I don't think people have really put enough thought into it yet. And there will continue to be some trickle down of old ideas. For sure. And so I'm in the Young Women Presidency in my ward. So I see, you know, firsthand what a lot of these things are happening in real time, right? Yeah. I also am involved in some Facebook groups for young women leaders. And I see a lot of the young women leaders coming and saying, okay, now my girls are coming and saying, oh, now I get to just do whatever I want and wear whatever I want and all this stuff. And so I think really having this discussion is going to be really great for parents, you know, young men, young women leaders, Bishop Ricks, and maybe even the youth themselves. Well, I've got a, I've got a little tiny piece of the story that I'm going to tell you later, but, uh, we met, we, we met someone who was on the young women's general board. I'm going to tell you the rest of this, oh, yes, that story yes. later, because mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool story. It's but story. one of the things that she mentioned when we spoke with her was that the seminary teachers and the people on the front lines of this, the people who are the, the adults teachers of youth in our uh, wards, but she was specifically referencing a seminary teacher who had come to her and was like, I don't know how to discuss this because of exactly that sentiment, which was, Oh, I can just do whatever I want now because it doesn't say that I have to follow this rule. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think that that's the meaning of this. And I'll, I'll tell you more about that, uh, our conversation with her, but I think that we really have to be clear as the adults in the room that it doesn't just mean, well, it means you can do whatever you want, right? Because sure. you have agency. Because you always can have been able you to do You always could have, though. <laughs> right? You always could have done whatever you wanted. Yeah. However, is that driving you towards the, the person that you want to be, towards your values, and towards the, the gospel that you want to live? Exactly. And, and, and more importantly than that, towards your Heavenly Father. 100%. So maybe, I mean, for the people who don't understand why <laughs> the past... Yeah you know, we guidelines we've been given around modesty have been problematic. Maybe we should talk yeah. about that first. Yeah. Well, and maybe this is a good place to tell my story. Okay. Yeah. Because so I'm going to, I want to be really clear about this. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm going to be speaking about my current stake president. So I want to be really clear. I'm not trying to underbus him. I'm not trying to, uh, say he's totally wrong and I'm totally right. I want to be really clear and, respectful of the culture that has been the culture of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Utah specifically, yes, but also possibly in other parts of the country and maybe even parts of the world. I want to be respectful of that because yeah. I think that this is where we were and many people are still there. Mm-hmm. And so this is really about being willing and able to not just think beyond the rules, but think more towards, uh, agency and spirituality in, in a new and more, I think, 
important and effective way. Yeah. And again, I also want to be clear, both of you, both of us are strong members of the church. We love the gospel. We love our leaders. Like we're not here to bash our leaders in any way, shape or form. But I think, and you and I agree on this. We have seen a maturing happening. Um, President Nelson, I think has been really instrumental in that, that you know, as a membership, as a yeah. church, we need to move beyond the checklists and mature into yes. a more empowered, integrity-based, agency-based way of living our lives. And um, I think you agree with me on this, that my belief is that many of us are feeling this calling of becoming life coaches to help the individuals adjust to that change. Yeah, I think that's really important. I also think it's important to recognize and just say up front that you and I, we're not speaking for the church. No, we're not. That's not our job. <laughs> that's not our so, job. These are our opinions. Mm-hmm. These are our positions. I, I believe they're well considered, but I also yes. recognize that we are not speaking in any sort of official capacity for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Correct. I also want to be really clear that this is my perspective, part of which may not reflect well on my stake president. I'd like to offer as I as I talk about this, that this story is not about him. My perception in it is only about me. And if the thing that you take from this story is that the stake president was criticized, then I believe you've missed the point, which is when we're faced with these friction points, as we all are and all will be, it's important to self-reflect and make our choices based on our internal and eternal compass, not on the leadership that we find in place at a given moment. So all of those caveats aside, (laughs) what's the problem here? (laughs) Okay, so tell your story because we want to get... Yeah, so about a year and a half ago, our daughters came home, uh, and I think this story just encapsulates the problem in itself. Mm -hmm. Our daughters came home with a packing list for young women's camp. And it was like, no shorts, no tight pants, no tank tops. It was very proscriptive. It was like all of these really... Um, specific guidelines around what the young women were to wear to camp. And our sons came home, and I kid you not, this is a direct quote from their packing list, wear clothes appropriate for camping. Yes. <laughs> right? And so, you know, I'm talking about this with uh, a member of our ward, and he's like, well, that's for their safety. And I'm like, uh, I think you're incorrect there, but... I I just dropped it with him. But what I did do was I actually just had my Temple Recommend interview already scheduled. And I said to a member of the stake presidency, we think this is a problematic way of addressing things. And we're concerned that this is what is being taught to our children, not because we don't teach them about how to respect themselves and respect their bodies, but because what this message sends is a message that your body is dangerous and it's not okay for you to be comfortable in your body, even if that means that someone else sees more of you than they think they ought to. Yes. And so this was really interesting. I mentioned it to him. I said, this is problematic and, you know, whatever. We get a call from the stake secretary, stake executive secretary, and he's like, hey, the stake president would like to meet with you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, so he brings us in and he's like, well, you know, we we checked around with other members of the stake and we just don't have an appetite currently 
for changing this rule. So Darcy and I proceeded to explain to him why it's a bad idea to have this rule, and we're going to probably talk about some of these uh, things more in detail here in a minute. But we we really were striving to convey to him that this way of thinking creates some really difficult meaning frames for the for the young women, right? Yeah. If I right, if I have to control what I wear so that I can help the boys out, so that they don't think bad thoughts, which. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. If a guy thinks you're hot, he's going to think the, the thoughts he's going to think, right? Well, and teenage boys know you have breasts under your shirt, right? Whether you're they're covered or not. And guess right. what? That's what they should actually be thinking about. Oh, yeah. new idea. Right. I know. But yes, so, keep going. So we offered our opinion to the stake president and in part of the conversation, he said, you know, well, the for strength of youth is the for strength of youth pamphlet of the time is the guideline. And I straight said to him, I said, you know, that's not doctrine, right? Which and a he, lot of people do consider it doctrine, yeah. which is crazy to me. I mean, I've had this yeah. discussion with so many people like, no, it's doctrine. Doctrine doesn't change. The For Strength of Youth right. pamphlet changes consistently. <laughs> yeah, if you read the one from the 1960s, you'd be real surprised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but my, my point in saying that to him was, like, I understand what you're saying in that the, the brethren have offered this uh, to us as a guideline. However, I think it's really clear that some of the language in here can become problematic if we don't teach it properly. Yes. And that was really the extent of our conversation. Although I will tell you that afterward, after that conversation, the state presidency was speaking to our then elders quorum president, who just happens to be our good friend and neighbor. And he was like, who are these Spaffords? And my, my <laughs> friend was like, well, they're not Utah Mormons, oh. <laughs> which, which to which the state president replied, uh, there's no such thing as a Utah Mormon to which, <laughs> My friend replied, you know what I mean, which, <laughs> which is which is simply to say that there is a culture that is pervade here locally and in some parts of the country that is very much, um, you know, these are the rules and we follow these rules and yeah. we look like this and we always will look like this. Yes. And I think it's really important to recognize that this is a global church and, um, and this is something that the the person that we spoke to who's part of the Young Women's General Board said. She said, we have to stop creating rules for middle class, upper middle class white people. That's <laughs> a direct quote. Okay. Um, and and really, because for us, that I think all those rules might have made sense to a certain degree. To a certain degree, but they do, yeah. But they don't necessarily reflect the reality on the ground in every part of the world. Yeah. And that's why... Uh, like you said, we, we, we did not plan to talk about this uh, new for strength of youth pamphlet, but um, the furtherance of this story. So that we ended that conversation. I pretty much felt like uh, we were not listened to. And that may not be true. I'm, I'm only speaking from my own personal perspective. I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to tell, tell you guys that my state president's a bad person because he's not. He's a really good, no. kind human, I just think sometimes it's hard, especially when you're in a position of leadership and very new to that position of leadership, it's hard to think beyond what you believe is exactly what you're supposed to do. 
I also want you to know that I'm only telling you this part of the story to give you context for a later part of the story. So this this is not the point of the story. Well, and, and we've been, this way of thinking has been perpetuated for many, 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 many yeah. years. And if, again, if you've been living, you know, especially in Utah, but in some areas outside of that. And I mean, I have, I went to high school back East. I lived in Texas as an adult. Like I haven't lived in Utah my entire life. And, but it is very prevalent within Utah community. I would say it's still prevalent some places outside, but not as much so. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, so fast forward a little bit. Um, So fast forward almost a year and a half to the latest general conference and the new For Strength of Youth pamphlet comes out. And I just, I text the state president. I said, hey, Darcy and I would love to do a standards night on the new For Strength of Youth pamphlet <laughs> because these are the things that we talk about. Yeah. And we have been talking about this for years and you've heard us talk about these things. 100%, yeah. Right? And it was really, um, and this, this is, again, this is on me. It's 100% on me. I'm not putting anything on the state president. But I, I did not get a response. Uh. And for me, I felt like that meant that I was, I don't belong that. And it was a really hard weekend for yeah, me. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be really honest with you. Uh, the thoughts of I should leave this church. I should, uh, take my family away from these people who do not value our ideas or position or thoughts who are just willing to ignore us outright uh, rather than be open to a dialogue and a conversation about I, what I believe to be the direction of the gospel, which is personal accountability, personal revelation, and both understanding and living the principles of the gospel without necessarily making it all about rules specifically. Yes. So well, it was a re- I'm very so sorry tough weekend that you for me. felt that way. I mean, I remember we were actually. Um, messaging back and forth when they were introducing this new For Strength of Youth pamphlet, really feeling so encouraged by the direction. You know, we still, I think both of us feel like there are still some parts that might be a little problematic, but for the most part, it's a really good direction. I think it's, I think it's exactly the right step. Yeah. And so after that weekend, I just decided I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. It's not about him and it's not about what he thinks. It's about me living the gospel. Yeah. Fast forward a little bit more that weekend. So the follow the weekend after conference, we went to dinner with some coach friends of ours because we only ever hang out with coaches. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true, but it kind of seems like it. It kind of seems nice like stories. it. <laughs> I think that's and, true for many of us too, not just you guys. And we're at dinner. Yeah. And we are talking about these things. We're like, you know, it's it's about taking personal responsibility. It's about um, not just having a rule, but living based on the values that you have. And, uh, and just, we were just discussing that with these, uh, this older couple who are also coaches or she's a coach. And, uh, we get up to leave and this guy stops us. He's like, Hey, can I talk to you? (laughs) And we're like, "Uh." (laughs) (laughs) and it turns out that the, that his wife is a member of the young women's general board. And I'm not going to mention her name, not because, uh, yeah. I just don't want it. I don't want it to seem like this is being endorsed by the church. That's all. Right. Um, I'm just telling you this story. So there it is. You do whatever you want with it. And she says, I'm, we're so glad you've caught the vision of this. And I'm like, we've been done. Ben had the vision of this, right? Yeah. For us, this has been this has ongoing. Been yeah. Right. And, and one thing she said was that they have been working on this for five years. Yeah. Uh, she has been part of that committee for five years. They thought it was going to come out about two and a half years ago, this new for strength of youth pamphlet. But, 
for me, and this is just my own personal thank you from Heavenly Father or to Heavenly Father about this. For me, that was a, a, a witness to me, a testament to me that I'm on the right track no matter what the state president does or doesn't do. Yeah. And that my decision to stay and to be active and to be the person that I hope that I can be uh, in all these interactions, that's that's the right direction for me. So that was really neat for me to be able to, to really have that experience. come full circle. Yes. Um, and yeah, and there's there's lots to that story, but I think I think the point of this conversation, which is um, what is modesty, because we sat down and we were like, we should have a conversation about what modesty is. Yeah, well, maybe even say so. We were at a LDS life coaches retreat together. Yeah. Um, and it was a it was a couple months ago. There were a lot of coaches there, and a lot of moms there that had been just taking their daughters like homecoming dress shopping. Yeah. And so these conversations were coming up where like, okay, I know that I need to think differently about this, but I'm really struggling to figure out like, how do I have these conversations with my daughter? And like, how do I not, you know, stay with the conditioning that I have had for so long about this? So just yeah. a little history on my end. Um, I grew up, I mean, I've talked a little bit about my parents, just like they weren't the best about talking to me about sex, right? They still don't want to talk to me about <laughs> sex. They really were great parents. I have great parents, but they really did conform to many of the checklists that, you know, were prescribed for so long. Yeah. And from the moment that I turned 12, I was expected to wear clothes that I would be able to wear with garments. So my clothing had to be garment ready. And I remember um, my we moved back east when I just turned 14, right before my freshman year of high school. And I was involved in the show choir and we were doing a cabaret and I was one of the dancers as well as singers. And I came out on stage in a dress with spaghetti straps. Oh, man. I mean, like, and I saw the look on my parents' face and I mean, they were in shock and they were so upset at me and I yeah. could see it out in the audience. Oh. And when I got home that night, it was like, how could you do that? What, what would you say if Jesus walked in or the, or the prophet walked in? And I felt so horrible about myself yeah. instead of being really, really happy about this wonderful experience I had being part of this great show. And yeah. so it then proceeded to, I had to go to my choir teacher and say, I either have to drop out of the choir because I can't wear this dress again, Ugh. or we've, or like, you've got to make it so that I don't ever have to wear this dress again because it is not okay with my parents. I'm like so we can sorry. wear our robes, we can wear something, but I cannot wear this. And her compromise was that she she had a seamstress create a drape to go mm. over my shoulders. There was one other girl. Um, there was there was actually three girls in um, the choir that were LDS. The other two girls, their parents didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> Mainly probably because they weren't from Utah. <laughs> Um, but there was one other girl that was not a member of our church, but she was very large chested 
and uncomfortable showing that much cleavage. And so mm. for the next two years, because I was there for three years, the next two years, anytime the choir wore that dress, I wore this drape overwards and made me stand out even more. And it was so awkward and uncomfortable. But then I also, here's where my chain, my thinking, like when I got married and went through the temple, I had one shirt, one dress, and one pair of shorts that were all just slightly not garment ready. So I only had to throw out three items of clothing when I got garments. And I felt mm. really proud about that at that point. Now I see it's kind of ridiculous, but <laughs> because I was making the choice because I was afraid of my parents' reaction and not because not because I was making the choice from a place of agency. Yeah. And and I my, my question is what is that rule really given you like in terms of value a lot of shame yeah yeah I mean it, it made me ashamed of my body it made me ashamed of myself um you know I mean I think it contributed to my struggles with my sexuality um in my teenage years feeling it was problematic and then leading into my marriage where we know like it was problematic in my first marriage so I think it it led to a lot of shame for me now fast forward I've got three daughters and I probably did some of that early on with them too. Yeah. Right. Um, but started to see some changes, but I, my daughters now, I'm just like, are you comfortable? Is it appropriate for the occasion? And like, if they're comfortable and it's appropriate for the occasion, like I feel that conditioning coming back in where I want to say something. And then I'm like, this is a me issue. This is not a you issue. This is not a clothing issue. Yeah. And I really have to, I have to rein it in myself and go, okay, what is actually at play here? And it always comes back to me and my conditioning. Yeah. And I, you know, to me, it's, this to me is, is like, okay, well, what, what were we trying to accomplish? Yeah. When, when we set up these rules, because that's what they are, they're rules. And to me, if, like, to be clear, and I, I had at one point I sent a text message to a member of the state presidency because, again, at camp, one of the things that our girls came home with was that they had to wear pants and shirts to bed. They couldn't wear, like, a camisole or shorts to bed. They were told by... And I said, when are we going to stop offering rules for outcomes to our children and teach principles and let them govern themselves? Yeah. So to me, this is like the idea that I that has been like rattling around in my brain for a lot of years mm -hmm. is it's about principles and let them govern themselves versus what I think we have spent a lot of time doing, which is rules for specific outcomes. Yeah. And unfortunately, those specific outcomes become problematic, right? So yeah. Right. Um, one, my daughter and my, all my kids go to seminary. All my older kids go to seminary. Half our kids go to seminary. <laughs> and <laughs> there are four of them. And they were discussing modesty at seminary. And one of the girls was like, well, we got we to gotta, you know, help the boys out. And then another one of them did the, did the uh, well, what, w would you be comfortable wearing that if Jesus were here? And <laughs> yeah. I kid you not, this was my oldest daughter's response. Jesus is not a creeper. <laughs> yes. Good girl. Because <laughs> he's not. No. But, but and so I many... understand. 
so many times oh, we're offering these messages as a way to help the boys out, help them right. control their thoughts. There, um, there was one, I was listening to a podcast. I think it was the Q more podcast with Rosemary card, which I love. And nice. she was talking about how, um, there was like a ward council where, um, they were talking about girls camp and, you know, one of the priesthood holders was like, well, they can't wear leggings cause that's inappropriate. Like it brings up feelings in, you know, men. And they're like, wait, it brings up feelings in men or it brings up feelings in you. And if you're having feelings about girls being in leggings, you don't need to come to girls camp. Yeah. Like that is a you issue. That is not a them issue. Oh, you remember that guy I told you that is we find that there are wives who come to the relationship and they think I am in charge of the sexuality of my husband mm -hmm. and I can control him. I can control his sexuality. That's a really, really interesting idea. I can control the sexuality of my husband. And so what yes, that, they have what to be the gatekeeper, to? right? Yeah. They have to be the gatekeeper for their husband's sexuality. Right. So what that leads to is lots of duty sex, not a great deal of intimacy, yep. uh, resentment in the long run. Yes. And then, and, and specifically in the work that we do, we find that they feel completely rejected when their husband chooses pornography. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, many times, their sense is, oh, I'm not enough for him. Yeah. I'm not enough for him because he chose pornography be and I didn't do my job to manage his sexuality. Yeah. So this is the long-term downstream effect of this mm -hmm. kind of language. And you may not quite see it. I, I know that many people don't see that. But I want to tell you that this is these are this is the language that we hear out of this is this has been our experience. Yep. This has been the experience of our clients. And that may not be your experience, but it is and has been a, a great deal of the work that we are doing is helping people just kind of claw back from this idea. Well, and in the work that I do, I see so many women who one are being the gatekeepers of the sexuality. Like if I just, yeah. you know, let us be sexual, like we're going to go straight to hell. Like that's really <laughs> like the thought about, oh, like man. if I just let it go, then it's going to take us straight to hell. And then also so many body issues because yeah. we're teaching women that their bodies are not okay as they are. Right. And that's, yeah. that's so sad. It's so and sad. I, I don't know if you noticed this. If you've looked through the For Strength of Youth pamphlet, modesty, the word modesty is mentioned just one time. And it is this in is the, the new appendix. One. Yeah, the new one. Mm -hmm. It's in the appendix and it references uh, pages, I think it's 24 and 25. And really what it is, is your body is sacred. And if you go through that, the principle is your body is sacred. Yes. And that's what they're teaching. Te treat your body in a, in a sacred way. Treat yourself as though you are uh, an eternal being. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Well, I don't know what that means. And I think this is going to be a really tough concept for a lot of people going forward, especially those who are used to saying, this is what a good Latter-day Saint looks like. Yeah. Is that it will look different for every person. And let me, let me give you an example. My daughter, before this New for Strength of Youth pamphlet came out, came to my wife and said, hey, I want to pierce my earrings for a second time. Dun, 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 right? <laughs> <laughs> and my wife at first was like, no, you can't do that. And as she thought about it, she kind of realized that the reason she was saying no is because she thought that she would be judged for it. Yeah. That, that 
that people would look at her and look at her differently because she was not following the rules. Yeah. And as she, you know, kind of went through that mental gymnastics, she went back to my daughter and first she apologized and she said, listen, I'm sorry that I told you no, that, that, that wasn't really the right response. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to understand what it, what it means to choose this that some people will judge you. But I also want you to recognize that this is 100% a decision that you get to make and that th- that really has to be something that you decide based on who you want to be and how you want to live your life, not based on a set of rules that are basically arbitrary. Yeah. And 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 then she went ahead and did this. Yeah. And I think that's a I think what you're going to see when it comes to a lot of the the ways that we have up to this point kind of lived as, as Latter-day Saints, there will still be quite a bit of homogeny. I mean, people will kind of look the same because that's how the world works. Yes. But I think if we're not careful, we will be rejecting people who want to be with us spiritually Mm -hmm. because they look different. And, and what we will see if we are very careful and we're clear about what the purpose of the gospel is, which is love, we're going to see people staying and looking different, right? I would we have hope a sister. So. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like when it's supposed to be based in love, mm-hmm. but we're putting rules and regulations that are arbitrary often <laughs> in front of loving people. I think that's a huge, huge problem. And I think yeah. that's one of the things that we still need to work on in a lot of areas in our church, unfortunately. Well, let me give you two examples. Um, one, we have a dress code here in the stake for stake dances and it's, you have to wear a button down shirt and a, or a shirt with a collar and a tie to stake dances. So they had a fifties themed dance. And this is when my oldest was like 13 or 14. They weren't old enough to drive. And the stake center is not very far from us cause we live in Utah, but, uh, they, he got like a, like a leather jacket and was wearing a white t-shirt and he kind of like went with the theme not knowing that they would kick him out. (laughs) So he shows up with him and like seven or eight of his friends to this steak dance. And they're like, he must've been 14 because you can go to steak dances. Yeah. Yeah. So they, and they're like, you can't come in. Oh my God. You cannot be here because you're not following the dress code. And so all eight of those kids, they just walked home to our house. They walked to our house and we had a party at our house. But to me, it was like, you're, you're putting a rule ahead of what's right. Yeah. And we, when we lived in Wisconsin, I was part of the state young men's presidency and we had this, what we called Mormon prom out there. And every year they put on Mormon prom so that all the Latter-day Saint kids can get together in the two stakes, the North and the South stake and anybody else who wants to come from Madison or whatever. And one of the rules is you got to dress modestly. And as we're kind of going back and forth about this, I'm, I'm saying to the, to the member of the stake presidency there, I'm saying, this is not our, like these young women, if they show up, they're in their best, they've done their best to get there. And they have chosen to wear something that they believe makes them feel good, that makes them look good and that they feel good in. Yep. And for us to, and so the rule was if your dress wasn't long enough or you showed too much skin (laughs) on top, they had shawls and skirts for them. Oh gosh, no, 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 no. No. And I said to him, I said, what we're in essence saying to these young women is that you're not enough. 
Yeah. You're not good enough to be here as you are. And we're not showing you love. What we're showing you is discipline. And this was really heartbreaking for me, uh, in part because it, it's really frustrating to have these conversations with people who cannot see it. They, you know, they're very much like, no, this is a rule. I follow rules. And I get that. I totally get that. I'm a rule breaker. So I understand that I am not like that. <laughs> <laughs> like if there is a rule and I don't think that it makes sense or I don't value it, I will try and break it at some point. But I also think it's important for people like that to recognize, wait, maybe rules are good for me, but maybe a rule is not necessarily the way that everyone needs to behave. Well, and, and, it's, this, and it's not more important than loving people. Right. And, and this was the problem because this member of the state president, he was like, we're not going to let these girls who show up immodest ruin it for everyone else. I'm like, oh, that you're missing it. You're, you're totally it. missing the point. Yeah. And, and I essentially said, I'm, I will not participate in that conversation. And I think it's unacceptable for you to ask the stake young women's presidency to participate in that conversation. Yeah. Because this is what I've told my daughters. If somebody comes to you and says, I don't think that you're dressed in an appropriate way, their response to that person is to be, if you have a problem with the way that I'm dressed, you're welcome to have a conversation with my father about it. Awesome. Because it's none of their business. Nope. And I will tell you, my girls dress probably more modest than anybody. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? I know. It's it's so crazy. I mean, I think, you know, clothes do send a message about who you are and how you feel about yourself. We're always communicating messages about who yeah. we are. Yeah. But we, from the outside, we just get to love these people. So That's our job. You know, so I'm in the Young Women's Presidency in my ward. We had steak girls camp this year and I, it was great. It really was, but we agreed as a presidency and advisors, we will not enforce a dress code if they come out with one and what we told, and they did, it wasn't, it really wasn't too bad. They did say no shorts, but that was more of a safety issue than like a, like they didn't say no leggings. Hallelujah. Okay. But like they did say no shorts just because there are like ticks and stuff. So just as a safety issue, but we even said with the girls, like, look, if you want to wear shorts, that's up to you. But just so you know, like there's ticks up there. So it would be wise to not. Yes. But we are like, remember you are going to be camping in the woods dress appropriately. Yeah. And beyond that, we didn't care. We had a swim party a few months ago. Half the girls came in two piece bathing suits. Absolutely. Right. And I was like, yes, they're here. Yay. I'm so happy that they're here. And yeah. how fabulous is it that they are confident enough in themselves that they love their body enough that they feel that that's, that it's okay for them to wear that. I was yeah. overjoyed. Overjoyed. I, so again, me talking to the state president. Well, so they came out with rules. Our girls did Moab this year. They did like a white water rafting down Moab. Ooh, yeah. And they basically were told one piece bathing suits. Okay. And How I fumed hard over this. is it to go to the bathroom Wait. in the woods in a one piece bathing suit? This, yes. Right. Okay. So I fumed over this for like a whole week. I was like, okay, do I have to go in and have this conversation with the state president again? Because this is not a good idea. This doesn't make sense. This is a bad precedent to set. This, this is not a good thing. 
And instead, I did not call him. I called my friend who is part of the Young Women's Presidency, who happens to be my cousin, like one generation removed all the way back to Wild Bill Hickman, who is a contemporary of Porter Rockwell. (laughs) 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 Really deep, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It was one of those days where you like pull out Ancestry on your phone and you're like, who are my relatives? And she was one of them. Yes, I love it. Anyhow, so I called her and I was like, hey, this is what I'm hearing from my girls and I just want to understand what's going on. And I also want to ask, um, so first I said, I want to ask if you guys will just like, I don't care what my girls wear, if you will just make sure that nobody talks to them about what they're wearing because I I don't find that appropriate. And she was like, yeah, totally. And then I said, so about peeing in the woods, <laughs> right? <laughs> which was exactly like, what's more immodest, taking entire bathing suit off yeah, or just pulling your pants down and going pee. And I was like, this is, this is, you know, this doesn't make sense. And she was like, I was totally going to bring this up because I know I'm going to wear a tankini yeah. and I can't imagine making these girls wear one pieces. And it was just one of those things where it was like, okay, lights on, yeah. somebody's home. We're, we're, we're making progress at the very least a little bit. And, we, you know, I didn't have to call in the National Guard or yell at the state president or anything. Right. But, but it's going to be slow and it's going to be a shift and it's not going to happen overnight. And this is one of the things that we, we were talking about up at um, Bear Lake is that we have to be in there. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is, these are the sorts of things and the ways that you agree that this needs to be done. And I hope you agree because I believe it's the gospel. Yeah. I believe teaching principles for self-governance, which, by the way, that's what you did with those young women. What did you do? You said, hey, you wear shorts, don't wear shorts. That's entirely up to you. Here are the risks. Yep. yep. And they figured it out. They did. They did. And some of them wore shorts, and that was totally up to them. We didn't say anything yeah. about it. Yeah. Because it's not my job to nitpick every little thing that someone else is wearing or not wearing. Like, we give them principles and let we and we let them govern themselves. Well, and I think this is this is one of those things that's tough for people who are institutionalists. Like <laughs> like when you're in a leadership position in a large company. So I've I've been in a leadership position in, in a very large company. I worked for a company for many years and I had a job to do and that often looked like creating conformity within the ranks of the people who worked for me. Yeah. Unfortunately, when we take that same mentality to the gospel, what that means is we create rules based around our own personal opinions that don't have anything to do with doctrine or the gospel, but that we believe will bring conformity. And by the way, these rules are designed to help us live the principles of the gospel, right? even though they may not. Yeah. But I, like, I fully recognize the intent behind them, which is, which is a positive intent. Yeah. And I fully recognize the fact that the people who were offering these, in, these good intended ideas were completely unaware of the ideas that, or the way that it would turn out. Yeah, the ramifications. Of these the ramifications, things. right? Yeah. But I also think it's really important, especially as a, as a body of, church members as the body of Christ, as people who are, you know, trying to build the gospel in essence, that we really be clear about what is actual doctrine and what is just like my opinion based on what I think this would look like. Yeah. Right. I don't know if you remember this. When I was growing up, there were, there were people who were like, well, I, we don't eat, we don't drink soda because <laughs> it's got caffeine in it. Yeah. That's not the gospel. Nope, it's not. It's not. It's it doesn't not. have anything to do with the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people out there who were like, I'm not going to eat chocolate because there's 
um, caffeine. caffeine in it. I'm like, <laughs> you you keep that one. You you, you know all that chocolate you don't want. You send it over to me. Right? I'm in. <laughs> I know, I know. Right? Well, and remember, like we're talking about, we've quoted Joseph Smith a couple of times on you know yeah. teach them principles and let them govern themselves. Yeah. Right. And it was that way for a long time. It wasn't until what president mckay that we started getting a lot of these checklists this is my favorite okay because <laughs> <laughs> it really was so my dad remembers this so it, before president mckay was the prophet uh keep the sabbath day holy was the principal and that meant go figure it out <laughs> yeah and president mckay said well we don't shop on sunday that's what that means and my dad was a like a deacon or a teacher and at that time, you had like three different meetings, right? Um, and you would go to church, and then you'd go home, and then you'd go back to church. So between like priesthood and whatever the next meeting was, I think it was sacrament, they would go across the street and get treats from the bakery, yeah. like the entire priesthood body, not just <laughs> like my dad and his uh, misbehaving friends. It was like them and all their leaders, and the bishop was sitting there having yeah. scones or whatever with them, right? And that. So I have a cousin who has talked about this with me, and he he basically said from that point through President Monson, he believes that was the rules for outcomes era of the gospel. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Because uh, President Hinckley, uh, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I tell these stories all the time, and if Darcy was standing here, she'd be like, are you going to tell this story again? But <laughs> this is a really cool story, I think. No, and like we've, we talk about these stories. We've but... talked about this. And so it's, it's hard because I know these people who are listening, they have never heard these stories. Yes. But so we did a fireside. We did a, a youth fireside for um, a youth conference for a ward uh, talking about pornography, which is what we love to do. And we, we do it for free. So if you want us to do that, come, come let us and know. They're amazing but, at it. Just FYI. Yeah. It's, it's not that, it's not that conversation that you think people are going to have about pornography. It's totally different and it's fantastic and people love it. Uh, and I, even if I do say so myself, <laughs> but we, <laughs> we were at this fireside and we were talking about, you know, living values and, and understanding principles and making choices based on agency. And this guy brought, we, we, I brought up the earring story about my daughter and this guy was like, well, do you want to know how that actually came about? And I was like, oh yeah, of course I do. And he was talking, he told us a story about how when he was in a bishopric in Iowa during his, uh, college years, he they had a visit from President Oaks who came and sat in their correlation meeting. Uh, and basically President Oaks' story, and of course this is all apocryphal, so again, <laughs> like don't write the church and be like, these people are terrible. I'm just telling you the story as I heard it. But he basically said we were getting a lot of letters into the, into the church office building about how many earrings was the right number of earrings. And that is when President Hinckley came out with one earring. That's when that rule happened. That's so crazy. Well, here's what's interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, how many earrings is the right number of earrings? But here's the thing. People want rules. They do. People like rules. Do you know why we like rules? Because it's easier to follow rules than it is to like figure it out. Figure it out. Yes. It's so much easier to have a rule that's like wear one earring. If you wear more than one earring, then obviously you're out of the gospel. You're apostate. You're apostate. Right? Yep. And, and that was, that's essentially how that came about. But here's what's really interesting. I think this could have, like, this is what I would like to have seen happen. And again, please don't, like, tell my mom that I'm criticizing the church because I'm not. <laughs> I'm just, from a new angle, giving an idea, Yes, if you will. What if President Hinckley had instead 
gone and in that fireside where he said one earring, what if he had instead said, hey, we get a lot of letters about how many earrings is the right number of earrings? And the truth is we don't know because we want you to treat your body sacred, and that's an important part of the gospel. But is one earring too many? Is two earrings too many? Is 42 two earrings too many? We don't know because that's not really the important part of the gospel. The important part of the gospel is that you treat your body with sacred intent. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you will know. And you will be able to figure out when it's time to get one or more earrings if that applies to you. And even though that makes you look different than maybe the girl who's next to you, that doesn't make you wrong. And in some cultures, wearing earrings, more earrings is important because it's part of your culture. In some cultures, having many tattoos is important because it's part of your culture. And that doesn't mean that we need to run out and all get tattoos or get earrings, but it does mean that we have agency. Yeah. And it's our opportunity to, as I like to say, what is it, Philippians, where he says, it's your responsibility to work out your salvation between you and the Lord with fear and trembling. And if you look at the ancient version of that text, fear means reverence. Reverence. Yeah. Right. So Respect. what he's saying there, yeah. yeah, right. What he's saying there is go figure it out. And and what it may look like for you may not be what it looks like for your neighbor, for the, the person next to you. Yep. But what it will look like is genuine, honest ownership of your agency. Yes. Now, of course, had I been writing speeches for President Hinckley at the time, that's what <laughs> I would have written. Right. But, but that but is also what world. we teach this our clients. This is a different world than what he had. Yeah. This is also what we teach our clients to be solid in yourself, in your choices, yeah. to look inside at what you really want. And are these choices bringing you closer to the person that you want to be or not? Yes. To the relationships that you want to have yes. or not? And if not, then change it. And what it might look like for you, it might look different for someone else. And that's the progression that you get to have. So I have a client who she is in her 30s. She's never been married. She is, uh, uh, well, uh, anyhow. So she's a great person, wonderful woman. She struggled with pornography. We worked on that. She doesn't struggle with pornography anymore. But she came to one of my open calls and she said, I'm struggling with masturbation and it's happening pretty, uh, well, it's happening on her cycle, which is very normal for women, mm-hmm. uh, that that's a time when, it, when heightened hormones yep. create a, a greater desire, right? Yep. And I want to note, if you look at the new for strength of youth pamphlet, the word masturbation is not to be found at all. Nope. It's not to be found. It wasn't in the last one either. Oh, really? Hmm. It was arouse feelings in yourself or others. But the word (laughs) masturbation hasn't been in there for a very long time. Okay. So she came to me and she said, well, how do I stop this? And I said, okay, is it time to do that? Is that up to you? Or sorry, is that up to me? Is that something you actually want to stop? Is like masturbation is a part of the reality, uh, the fabric of most human beings life at some point, uh, because of sexual development, full stop. Right. So the science behind it is really clear. Yes. And my question to her, you know, it might be when you're five, it might be when you're 35 that you decide this is no longer serving me. And if it's no longer serving you, then that's when you'll stop. Yep. And if it still serves you in some capacity, I don't see anything in the literature that indicates 
that this is not an appropriate activity. I don't see it. I, I could be totally wrong. Well, but... again, it's one of those things that you get to work out with the Lord. Yes. With fear and trembling. With fear and with trembling. With reverence yeah. and understanding. Yes. Right? And and this, I think, is the thrust of this New for Strength of Youth pamphlet. Um, I, I know this started as a conversation about modesty because we, you know, we had been looking at this. that's what we were originally going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but really, I think... When I look across the breadth of this new for, for Strength of Youth pamphlet, it's really clear. It starts with, let me teach you the eternal truths. Mm-hmm. Let me teach you the principles. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to, let me invite you to live those to the best of your ability. It's not like, well, let me invite you to follow these rules because these are the right things to do all the time, every time. Right. And then it says, here's what you, you know, here are the blessings that you may receive as you live these principles. And then it gives, you know, some questions and answers. But what I really like about this new For Strength of Youth pamphlet is that it says it's a guide for making choices. Mm. Darcy and I used to refer to the old one as the How to Judge Yourself and Your Neighbor book. I know. I love that so much. <laughs> because that's what it felt like. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the, the scripture on the very back of the pamphlet is, I think, really telling. It says, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. What I think the Lord is doing there is he's offering us an opportunity to continue to grow. Yeah. Gosh, I've got and, tears in my eyes. You guys can't see it, but like. I, I was crying too. I had to stop there for a minute. We were, bo- we're both because this is the work that we do with people. And this is what we want to see in everybody's life. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And if you're a mom or dad or, you know, just somebody who talks about this with uh, the youth or anyone, and you feel like, oh wow, I have uh, I have not taught it in the way that really now comports with your new understanding. It's okay to just go down and apologize and just say, hey, listen, I I screwed up, I messed something up. Yep, I think repair is one of the principles that we need to be teaching people in relationships. Yeah. I know, yeah. like I haven't you know, especially in those early days, I didn't handle things well with my children. I've talked about, I think before, like I did not handle things well with my oldest son when it came to pornography and different things. And I've had to go back and say, I'm sorry, I didn't handle this well. And here's what I think and believe now. And I love you. And, you know, let me know if you want to talk more about it. And I think that goes so far. I have so many clients who are like, I have grown children and I'm like, they're struggling in their marriage because of what they've seen from me. And how do I go back? And I said, you go back and you apologize. Totally. You just do. Repair is so, so important. And it's so important for our youth to see us apologize and the changes that we can make in ourselves because then they know it's okay for them to make those two. Well, that's the essence of repentance. Yes, absolutely. Repentance is to change, to have a new mind. So if you look at the Greek root of the word, which is metanoia, it means to have a new mind. It's one of the meanings, but yep. that's the meaning that I take, right? Yep. And if you think about it, what's your mind if it's not your thoughts? Yep. And once your thoughts change, once your belief structures change and you understand better, then you have repented. And, and that's when you get to stand on solid ground and say, hey, listen, I'm a little bit better now than I was. I used to suck more. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man, Zach, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I think it's going to be so valuable for the people listening. I a hundred percent agree. I'm so grateful for like-minded people who can see, um, just, just see beyond the culture and see beyond the ideas that we were offered and find, I think, greater and more valuable truths, that pearl of great price, as it were. So if you have listened to this conversation and know that you have some work to do, feel free to reach out to me or Zach, and we are happy to help guide you in making those changes so that you can also not only change in yourself, but guide your youth and your children to doing this in really the way that shows love and respect for yourself and for others. Zach, why don't you tell them where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me at ZachSpafford.com or you can find me on social media, thrive beyond underscore for couples on the Instagrams. Uh, I'll be <laughs> honest with you. If you message me there, you're going to be talking to my wife. Yep. So absolutely. Absolutely. And, and if you want to reach out, and you want us to come and do a fireside or anything, whether it's about pornography or about modesty or whatever it is, the new guidelines, we would love to do that. Darcy's favorite thing to do is to, uh, is to do these kinds of events. And she, although she's never spoken in church from the pulpit, she loves, she loves to have real discussions real with discussions. real people. Yeah. And, and we would love to do that. You can email me at Zach at ZachSpafford.com. And the same goes for me as well, because I think these conversations are so, so important. All right, Zach, thanks so much for being here. Anytime. See ya. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, Check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link. And if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.